0: is the more you give the more you have Mm. and you know that's where we start by looking at what we mean by giving and giving in this context simply means to constantly and consistently provide immense value to others and when you focus on doing that okay not only is it a more pleasant way of conducting business it's actually the most financially profitable way as well and you know not for some Woo-woo way out there, magical, mystical reason. It actually makes very logical sense. You, when you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and instead um, place it on others, trying to, you know, discover what they need, what they want, what they desire, what problems they have that you can help them solve or work through. When you can be focused on trying to bring them closer to happiness. People feel good about you.
1: There we go, episode 131 with Bob Berg. Do go and check out the wonderful work that Bob is doing in the world. And don't let it end there. I'd love to know how... You're going to keep the ripple effect going. How are you now going to show up, live, love, lead the go-giver way? Email me at ryanbhartley at gmail.com or tag me in Instagram or or, or jump in my DMs. Let me know. I'd love to know how this has inspired you to be a little bit more of a go-giver than you were yesterday. I appreciate you. I'll speak to you again soon. Always love. Bob welcome back to the always better than yesterday podcast how are you I'm great
0: Ryan it's always terrific to be with you
1: thank you it is a year today that I published episode 71 with your good self yeah. and uh, it's you've been a Joe I just want to thank you publicly you've been a great supporter of my content and and uh, it's been really great to really build a, a friendship although we've never met've I'm really grateful for the uh, the support and the encouragement that you
0: continue to provide. Well, my absolute pleasure. You're doing great work. And it's always a, you know, it's always a fantastic thing to be able to, to, uh, you know, be there and root on and encourage and and be friends with someone who is uh, bringing such immense value to the world. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Um, last time we focused a lot on, um, the go-giver leader. That was a book that really inspired and transformed my own leadership. You gave a frame of reference to a style of leadership that I just wasn't used to in, in the police. And I'm really grateful for that, but I think today we're going to focus on the go-giver influencer. If that's cool with you. Sure. Sure. What, what's the essence? What is the essence of influence?
0: Well, you know, you, you think about the term influence and it's a very overused term. And, and so because of that, it, it gets defined unconsciously by different people in different ways. So I always like to start out with a definition so that mm-hmm. we're all at least uh, <laughs> coming from the same direction. And so on a, a basic, very, very basic level, influence can be defined as the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal, that's that's influence by definition. Now, that's its influence, but as you say, that's that's different from its essence, right? The the essence of influence is pull, mm. uh, pull as opposed to to push. Mm. And I think you and I have discussed that before. Yeah right? That, you know, we, instead of pushing ourselves on someone, instead we, we pull, which is an attraction, right? It's great influencers attract people first to themselves and only then to their ideas. And they do that again, through, through pull, as opposed to trying to push their ideas, pushing their will, pushing themselves on others, which tends to be that's compliance, right? And it tends to, to not work at all, but even when it does, it's not sustainable, but pull elicits people's commitment Mm. and that's you know that's that's the key Mm. what is Pindar's paradox well Pindar's paradox is the more you give the more you have Mm. and you know that's where we start by looking at what we mean by giving and giving in this context simply means Mm. to constantly and consistently provide immense Mm. value to others and when you focus on doing that okay not only is it a more pleasant way of conducting business it's actually the most financially profitable way as well and you know not for some woo-woo way out there magical (laughs) mystical reason it actually makes very logical sense um you when you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and instead um place it on others trying to you know, discover what they need, what they want, what they desire, uh, what problems they have that you can help them solve or work through. When you can be focused on trying to bring them closer to mm. happiness, right? People mm. feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to see you succeed. They want to help you find uh, they want to do business with you. They want to help you find new business through referrals and introducing you to others. You develop what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors. That's influence, mm. right? And so, so really when we say the go-giver influencer, we're talking about being able to deal with people in such a way that you get the results you, you desire while helping other people feel genuinely mm. good. Mm. about themselves, about the situation, and about you. And it's the person who can do that, Ryan, who really has the, has the edge in life. Because I think you can get to a certain point of success, certainly, through technical skills, through mm-hmm. competence alone, through just you know, being good at what you do, being talented. That's very important. But all of those things are simply, it's the entrance fee to getting to play right mm. you you can have a certain amount of success that way absolutely but it's it's those with those superb people skills yeah they're the people who go to that really that next level of what we call stratospheric success your um your book talks about
1: influences determined by how abundantly you place others needs before your own and that's my own personal definition of, of leadership, putting someone else's needs before our own. And, and John Maxwell simply says, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So there's definitely something in this leadership is influence. And um, but before we're able to lead others, we must first lead ourselves. And I think step one in your framework is master your emotions. Why yeah. Why is that step one? Well,
0: that's where it all begins, because it's only when you're in control of your own emotions that you're even in a position to take a potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a a win for everyone involved. I mean, I I think we all know this intuitively, Uh, you know, that person that who we know who is able to really just operate from a sense of calmness and serenity and they they're on top of things and it doesn't matter what else is happening around them. They just, you know, they have it together. (laughs) We respect that person. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we know it's a good thing to be able to do that, but how often do we uh, you know, based on what someone else does or says, how often do we allow ourselves to feel Uh, hurt or victimized or helpless or frustrated or angry, right? And we (laughs) say or do Mm -hmm. the very thing that not only is it not productive, it's actually very counterproductive Mm -hmm. to attaining the goal or the outcome we want, right? And people do this all the time. Why? Well, because we're human beings. And as human beings, we are emotional creatures. That's just Mm -hmm how we are now we'd like to think we're logical and to a certain extent of course we we are but we're pretty emotion based pretty emotion driven we make major decisions based on emotion and we back up those those decisions with logic right we mm-hmm. you know we rationalize which really just means we tell ourselves rational <laughs> lies in order to justify that emotion-based decision we made, or losing our cool and mm. acting inappropriately and in a way that's not productive, right? Uh, because we'd rather, you know, not take responsibility for it. So, so it's important to understand this and that, you know, and that what we're not saying is to deny your emotions or forego your emotions. First, uh, it it wouldn't work. It it would be denying human nature. Okay. And that's not sustainable. But secondly, there's no reason to have to do that. Emotions Mm -hmm. are great. They're a fantastic part of life. They bring us joy. They make life worthwhile. No, you don't have to forego them. Um, Mm -hmm. Just make sure that you're the master of your emotions as opposed to they being the master of you. Or as one of my great friends, the leadership uh, speaker and author, uh, Dondi Scumacci, as she uh, so eloquently says, by all means, take your emotions along for the ride, Mm. but make sure you are driving the car.
1: I love that. I love that. You, You talk about emotions, and I really liked your description of the difference between manipulation and persuasion, and persuasion. And there was something
0: to do with the use of negative emotions. What was that? Yeah, well, so, so you know, you can influence others. And well, again, influence by definition is moving someone to a certain desired action. Mm-hmm. You can do that through either persuasion, which is positive, or mm-hmm. manipulation, which is negative. Now, uh, you know, persuasion and, and manipulation um, are, I, I like to say, they're cousins, okay because both persuaders and manipulators understand human nature they understand what drives and motivates people and they know Mm -hmm. now one is the the good cousin and one's the evil cousin right (laughs) but they're cousins you know and and they both understand and can do now um you know when you and and um Um, Paul W. Sweats, who wrote a great book, it was published, gosh, I guess back in 1987, uh, called The Art of Talking So That People Will Listen, which was really more about listening than it was about talking. Mm. But he said, manipulation aims at control, not cooperation. Mm. It does not consider the good of the other party. It results in a win-lose situation. Mm. Persuasion, on the other hand, and direct opposite to that, uh always seeks a win win. uh persuasion is is about uh mm-hmm. about you know treating the other person in the right way responsibly as self directing individuals right? so so mm-hmm. a, a manipulator may not necessarily be aiming to hurt the other person, okay? but if that's what it takes to get what they want, they'll do it. it's all about themselves whereas with a persuader that would never happen because for them to feel good about the situation they need to know the other person is also benefiting and feeling good about it as well so what a manipulator will often do is they'll play upon your negative emotions of guilt of of you know feeling ignorant or stupid or not going along with the crowd or you know so in other words they'll kind of detect what your weak point is, what your weak spot is, what your lack of confidence, you know, where it is, Mm -hmm. and they'll go for that and they'll try. So what you want to do is, you know, when you feel as though you're about to do something because someone else is trying to get you to do it, but you don't really want to, and just kind of get conscious of it and say to yourself, okay, there's something about this I'm not feeling right about, even though I'm just about to take this action that I really don't want to do. Why am I doing that? Mm. What is it about what I'm feeling? And how is this person saying things or doing things that's sort of eliciting me feeling and then take responsibility for those feelings. And then you've got to be able to politely, you know, say, well, thank you. It's not something I'm I'm interested in in, uh, doing, but thank you for asking or Mm. however you want to say it, Mm. but you need to take responsibility. You need to make sure you're in control of your emotions and you're not letting someone else dictate how you feel. Yeah.
1: You, uh, you write in the book that the single biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it occurred in the first place. And I, I just wonder, how can we as leaders bridge that gap of illusion? How can we
0: learn to step into someone else's shoes? Yeah, and, and stepping into the other person's shoes sounds like an easy thing to do. It's certainly mm. a saying that's been used for years, and it, you know, so it's kind of a trite type of, okay, mm. but then you think about it. You know, it sounds easy to do, but maybe it's not when you consider that most of us have different size feet. Mm. Okay, so literally, we can't step into mm. the other person's shoes. Figuratively, we can't step into their minds because we're not mm. them. And as human beings, we all come at the world from our own unique set of beliefs, what I call our belief system. Now, what is a belief? Mm. A belief, by definition, is a subjective truth. Mm -hmm. It's the truth as you or I might understand the truth to be, which means it's our truth, not necessarily the truth, okay? But it's how Mm -hmm. we see the world, Mm -hmm. combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television, move. But by the time we're a little more than toddlers, our basic belief system has pretty much been etched in stone. Mm -hmm. And we, most people live their entire lives operating from uh, what I call an unconscious operating system. Mm -hmm. believing that they're acting out of free will and conscious choice when really they're operating within a a matrix, right? Mm -hmm. That is kind of dictating exactly where they can, right? Decide from. Now, here's the thing. Not only do we do that uh, and and see the world from our own unique set of beliefs, so does everyone else. Mm -hmm. But as human beings, we tend to believe that the way we see the world is basically the same way everyone else sees the world, Mm -hmm. which makes intuitive sense. How could it be anything different? It's all we know. However, it's not true. They see the world based on their experience and Mm -hmm. beliefs and so forth and we see it ours. So what we need to be able to do in order to step into their shoes is to understand, okay, how we ask questions. We ask questions and then we listen. Mm. And we listen, not just with our ears, which is the surface listening. Most people do, or listening in order to speak, listening in order to sharp angle them into doing what we want them to do. No, we listen in order to absolutely, totally understand Mm. and asking more questions to make sure that what they said is what we heard, Mm -hmm. that what they meant is what we understood because we don't know that so we have to be able to go deeper into this in order to mm. really make sure is that what you mean
1: by listening with the back of your neck
0: yeah it's 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 <laughs> listening with your eyes with your your posture your body with the back of your neck it's being mm. so intent in your listening that you're able to really go deep into your into your mm. understanding
1: I love that. I want to bring in my community very shortly to ask questions. I'm very conscious of your time, but I want to acknowledge. So the the book's incredible. The five principles are are fantastic. Um, But the one thing that really stood out to me in, in reading it was, was this one line "It's empathy. Isn't about thinking. It is feeling what the other person is feeling. Tact is the ability to speak to that place. Truthfully yet with compassion. That for me in two sentences describes what it means to be a heart-centered leader, to be able to get in in amongst all the messiness of human beings
0: and be able to have great heart-to-heart conversations. Yeah. And you've got to really, and, and I love what you said, because it's only that leader who is other focused. We like to say be, mm-hmm. be internally motivated, mm-hmm. but externally focused. hmm and when you're externally truly externally focused okay when it, you when it really is about the other person that is when you're going to to you know do your best to really identify with Mm -hmm. that person, with their thoughts, with their feelings. It means, yeah, you are going to edit yourself before you speak. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with, with doing that, because you want to make sure that what you say Mm -hmm. is, is said in a way that's going to honor that other person and have the best chance of being understood. You know, my Mm -hmm. dad always said tact is the language of strength. Mm. And I've always loved that because, you know, a lot of times you know, you just want to, especially somebody sends you a nasty email or says mm-hmm. something to you in a way that rubs you the wrong way and pushes your buttons and, and, uh, or whatever you just want to like snap back. Well, take strength to not do that. Mm-hmm. That goes back to controlling your emotions, but you know, tack really, when you think about it is, is communicating an idea to someone that they normally would not be open to. Mm. But doing so in such a way that not only are they not defensive toward you and resistant to your ideas, but they're open to you and they're more accepting Mm. of your idea. Mm. And that's what what tact and empathy really allows you to do. My
1: last comment is that there's a lot to be said about the social media influencer that seems to have a model that is me, me, me focused. And and I just hope that this book lands in many influencers out there that realizes (laughs) that actually they will rise by
0: lifting others. Yeah. Well, you know, you always, you always like to think that's going to uh, mm-hmm. gonna happen. So, you know, I mean, some of the, when you say, you know, social media influencers, these are the people with the five bajillion followers who are <laughs> celebrities. And, you know, it's just like the day, you know, on television where you had athletes or you had, mm-hmm. you know, uh, acting professionals or you had other people who did commercials selling aspirin. Well, they weren't doctors, but you know, and many of them didn't even play one on TV. Okay. But the reason that they were used is because they're influencers. They, people, you know, so uh, it, nothing's changed in that regard. Just the medium, you know, has changed, but now, so you've got someone who has, you know, 5 million followers or whatever, and they're maybe known for a certain, well, sure. They, it, it, they make it about them but that's because they're they're operating simply from a celebrity status mm. and there's a certain amount of people who are going to buy mm. from them but for mm. people like us who are not celebrities okay we've got to be able to focus on you know who we are trying to bring value uh, to
1: sure bob with your permission i'm going to invite my team to uh, turn their cameras on uh, I'd love um, that. What we have is we have a group of heart-centered leaders. So this is about a third of our community. We come together every week to grow in our hearts and minds as leaders. Um, awesome. and, I, and I'm really grateful that you're all um, here on the, on live on the podcast. And they're going to hopefully show their faces and at least <laughs> let you know that they are not just a square on a Zoom call. Uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite... Um, I don't think we've got time for for more than three questions. So I I would look to the team now to who would like to ask the first question and I invite you to unmute yourself and, and ask your question to Bob. Not all at once, Bethan, go ahead. Abby, go ahead.
0: Hi, Bob, how are you doing? Good, Abby, how are you? yeah having a good week thank you I just also want to acknowledge that lovely library behind
1: you that looks amazing and I'd love to like get stuck into that at some point but um
0: yeah I'm just uh having a think really and yeah as Brian says we're all kind of like heart-centered leaders out doing various different things but my thoughts led to how much I could perhaps put your work and theories just into personal relationships as well as like places of work or other places of like leadership does it transcend across all sort of levels like that yeah these are and by the way regarding the library you know I always I always say to I tell people my house is comprised of books uh with some scattered furniture (laughs) uh so yeah books books are a big part of my life yeah great uh and um yeah. You know, the principles that John and I talk about in all three of the books are, are basically they're universal. So they were, you know, when we talk about success, there's success in all areas. There's certainly financial, there's physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, social, relational, and all the other, all Animal. The other forms. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so all the, you know, so, so every one of the laws or principles that we put in any of the books are always designed to, to work across the board in all areas of life. Which I think universal laws and principles pretty much do. Yeah, thank you. That's great. great. Thanks very much. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. Bob, I forgot to acknowledge the fact that you talk about the angels in fur, and the surreal moment I had when Uncle Bobby wants to kiss my dog. It was it was a surreal moment. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Amazing. Callum, if you got a question, my friend.
0: Hi Bob. Um, Just thank you for your time um, this evening. Hi Callum. I would like to know the reason why you decided to go this direction with, with your life. Um, in terms of speaking and writing?
1: Speaking, writing, and sharing this
0: message. Well, I mean, I started out as a broadcaster, first in radio and then television. Um, I wasn't very good at it. And, and I, I like what I call graduated into sales. And after stumbling around for a few months, because I had no sales training and the company where I was working, certainly didn't provide any. I started, I was in a bookstore and I found a couple of great books. One was by Tom Hopkins. One was by Zig Ziglar, a couple of the real icons in the selling space. And I got the books and started reading and studying and applying. And within a short period of time, my sales really began to go well. And it was very encouraging to me. And I really enjoyed it. And then, of course, as part of sales, you know, a huge part of sales is personal development. And so I started getting books like How to Win Friends and Influence People and Think and Grow Rich and As a Man Thinketh and Psycho-Cybernetics and the, you know. All these, it opened up this entire world to me because I was a horrible student uh, in school and I had no use for any of that. And, and which, you know, I mean, I regret that, of course, but, but I just wasn't interested in that. My education began when I got into sales and I just loved the personal development aspect of it. And uh, as my sales career took off and I became sales manager of another company, Uh, I started sharing with others what I was doing and was asked to speak at a couple of places. And and then I I went to a seminar and bought the person's uh, 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 audio program. And in the back, it said, if you want to make some extra money and learn how to speak and sell our Back then it was tapes. I mean, that's how long ago this was, you know, call our office and let me know. So I did. And they taught me how to speak for free at all these civic clubs, groups, organizations, and then sell their tapes at the end. And it was a lot of fun. And I thought, you know, I kind of want to go out on my own and do the thing, you know, talk on what I like to, to speak about. And that's really how it started. So it kind of just evolved. That way. And then once I decided I was going to become a professional speaker, then I began taking it really seriously. And I've been doing that now for a little over 30 years. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your question.
1: No, thank you. That was amazing. My Mm -hmm. pleasure. Bethan, do you have a question? I do. Thank you, Bob, for your time this evening
0: or today. I don't know what time it is where you are. Yeah, Yeah, Um, it's almost 4 30. So, yeah, it's still afternoon. So so I appreciate all of you for being with me at night. (laughs)
1: no it's fine um myself and Ryan actually had a conversation earlier today about obviously influencing and and I know there's probably a few of us on the call who completely undervalue or underestimate the impact that we can have or the influence that we have what would you say to somebody who underestimates the the influence that they can have on people and and what guidance would you give them
0: well, I mean, I think it all begins with consciousness. Um, you know, if you, if you realize that that's an issue, that's great. Congratulations. You know, if you realize that, that you're not seeing or really embracing the immense value that you have to be able to give to others and influence others in a positive way, it's great that you've recognized it now start thinking about, okay, what do I really have? You know, what is my, you know, I I would say as as human beings, we have two types of authentic value. We have intrinsic value just by, by, you know, being here, but we also have what I call market value. And I define market value as that combination of strengths, traits, talents, and characteristics that allow us to bring value to the marketplace mm. in such a way that we'll be rewarded for it, whether financially or in any way that we choose, what have you. But, but it first begins with saying, okay, what are my strengths? What are my traits? What are my excellent characteristics? What do I bring to the table? What is it that I do, that I have, that I am, that is able to touch people's lives in a positive way? Now. Here's the thing, it can be very difficult for us to do that ourselves because we're human beings and we're so emotionally close to ourselves. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm 63 years old, and there's times I look in the mirror and still see that shy, skinny 16 year old who was afraid to talk to girls, right? You know, Mm -hmm. so I mean, we know ourselves too well. So that's why it can be very helpful to have a group like this that you're with people who can recognize the strengths that you don't even see yourself as having. Because when we don't really value our own strengths, that's when we undervalue ourselves in terms of pricing, Mm -hmm. right? In terms of of our ability to influence, in terms of our ability to provide value. So it is very important that we really kind of understand and embrace those uh, assets of value that we have. I hope that helps.
1: Perfect. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's just so interesting. Thank you. Mm, Thank you. Those words, we know ourselves too well for. That <laughs> we hit do, like a we're hammer. We're
0: just too darn close to
1: ourselves. Yeah, that hit like a hammer. Reese has just said in the comments, that hit hard. Reese, have you got a question, my friend? Nah, no question. I was just like, no, everything everything you just said, uh, <laughs> it's like the undervaluing of yourself, the... I've just had some light bulb moments this week and that just rammed it home even more. It's so true. We just don't, we don't, yeah, we just, we compare ourselves, I think, to too many other people rather than just, there's only one of us, right?
0: Yeah, and here's the thing too, and you you bring up a great point, Reese. and my friend Mark Sanborn says this, and I love this, he says, we we look at, we see other people's highlight reels while we look at our own blooper tapes, right? Ah, uh, yes. So- yeah. Isn't that so true? Yeah. Of course, we're yeah. doing the same thing, right? And, and so, but it's just it's that sort of human nature that that's, that's what we do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Rhys. Cheryl, anything for you? So, yeah, thirdly, just to reiterate
1: what everybody else has said, so thanks for your time this afternoon, should I say?
0: Thank you, um, Cheryl.
1: I think the bit that got me as well as everything else that people have said here is when you mentioned about taking on things that you don't necessarily want to be doing Bethan this not, not aimed at you <laughs> um yeah so that's something a trap I find myself in a lot is taking on work or job roles and things that I don't necessarily want to do so it's just some advice on, on how to say no and you, be polite about it
0: and you've got to you've got to be able to say say no when no is the the correct thing to do um you know i have a very easy way of 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 doing it okay that if you you know that because i've heard people say well just tell people no you know no is a complete sentence you know that's that's one of those things that sounds great in theory but really are you going to just tell someone no you know, it's, it's, it's rude. It, it's going to turn that person off to wanting to do anything with you. And basically it, it saying no, like that just goes against your, your value system of treating other people with kindness and respect. Now people often say, well, you say no by just kind of maybe telling a little fib, like, well, I don't have the time. The challenge with that is aside from knowing that you do have the time, because as human beings, we make the time to do what we value. Really, it's that you value not doing this thing, right, uh, more than you value doing it, okay? And when that's the case, by the way, the answer should be no. But when you say, I don't have time, what that does is, you know, that other person's probably used to hearing that. So when they are able to communicate persuasively why time is actually not an issue, now you're really in a, a bad position. You've either got to come clean and say, well, I really just didn't want to do it. And they're not going to feel good about it. You're not going to feel good about it. Or in order to save face, you've got to now say yes. Right. And again, that's not what we want to do. Here's a way to say no, that if you will do this, practice it a couple times. And if you'll do this, it will absolutely set you free. Let's say someone asks you to, and we'll just say serve on a, a committee. Okay. And it's nice that they asked you, obviously they respect you, they, but, but you just don't want to do it for whatever reason. So here's what you say. And you can say it, uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple different ways to say it, but the principle will be the same. Okay. They ask you to serve on a committee. You simply say, thank you so much. While it's not something I'd like to do, please know how honored I am to be asked. And that's it. Or you could say, oh, thank you uh, for asking. While it's not something I choose to take on, uh, please know how just delighted I am that you would think to ask me. You know, again, however you wanna say it, but that's the basic principle. Now, what you did is you very kindly and nicely, you honored them. You even told them that you were honored. Uh, you, You were very but you, you made it clear that the answer was no, but what you didn't do is you didn't give them an excuse to hold on to and be able to, to answer, okay? So again, it's just, uh, thank you so much. Uh, while it's not something I'd like to do, please know how honored I am to be asked. Now, if they try one time to kind of guilt you into it, or right as people will do, even well-meaning, and they say, oh, but we really need it, Just kind of listen, don't interrupt, just, just listen with a, a gentle, you know, uh, smiling, or, you know, just a gentle look on your face, not defensive, just, and when they finish, you pause a second and then you say, oh, thank you, I'd rather not. But again, thank you so much for asking. And that's it. Now, let me suggest one thing. There are certain times, depending upon your relationship with this person and the specific ask, that it is appropriate to say why you can't do it if there is a very specific reason. Otherwise, it would actually be rude not to. But 95% of the time, again, for generic requests like that, no, resist the temptation to give an excuse.
1: Mm. And what's Latin for compromise?
0: Uh, Right. Yeah, compromise is Latin for nobody actually gets the results they want and everybody feels miserable about it. (laughs) It's not that compromise is never uh, appropriate by the way, of course, sometimes it is, but we would rather compromise not be the first option. We would rather aim for collaboration rather than compromise. Collaboration is one plus one equals three and everybody uh, gets some, you know, comes away better off. Compromise by the very nature of the definition of the word means at both parties are giving up something in order to just advance the the process Mm. so yeah time and place for it but just not the first option
1: Mm. thank you so much for your time bob thank you for the work that you do with your colleague as well and i want to be super respectful of your time and just say thank you would you mind leaving us a final thought from your good self
0: i just think that to the degree we can focus on bringing immense value to the lives of others not in a And you know, when we say place other people's first, we don't mean in a self-sacrificial way or a martyr. No, but to the degree you can really focus on, on discovering what that other person wants, needs, desires, and focus on that. That's the degree that you become very, very influential. My friend, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you.
1: There we go, episode 131 with Bob Berg. Do go and check out the wonderful work that Bob is doing in the world. And don't let it end there. I'd love to know how you're going to keep the ripple effect going. How are you now going to show up, live, love, lead the go-giveaway? Email me at ryanbhartley at gmail.com or tag me in instagram or or, or jump in my dms let me know i'd love to know how this has inspired you to be a little bit more of a go-giver than you were yesterday i appreciate you i'll speak to you again soon always love